1: What's up, everybody? Welcome. It is the Haberman Middlecoff podcast. I'm Guy with John. We're live on YouTube. Um, many of you will watch this after the fact. Some will watch it live, but many of you will watch it after the fact. A lot of you are going to listen to this on the podcast feed. If you want to watch it, you can go to the YouTube link in the podcast description. If you want to listen to it as a to-go item, you can um, click on the uh, podcast link in the YouTube description. We appreciate you being here. I is have there death news. in the family? Yeah. Yeah, actually there was. Uh, earlier today, in a text message to me, John told me that Guy Football Focus must die. So uh, I will not be able to give you uh, throw-by-throw practice numbers today. Middlecoff says it makes him want to stab himself in the forehead.
2: So I, I, you know, I, 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 I simply, I, I, I simply said I, I think it's it's YouTube content only podcast. I just don't think it works. I, and I, I didn't even say you. I said what that segment throughout. Niners content represents. I don't think the average guy cares that much about practice because all we heard for those of us, this is the first year I haven't gone to a Niner practice in a long time was about practice, practice, practice. And then the game happens. And every one of us guys with just fucking n- completely normal, no agenda here, had the same takeaway. So, but all we had heard is the opposite about stuff in practice. Cause in fairness, that's all the content we're getting. And I know better because I've been to Praxis forever. I've been going my entire adult life, basically from Fresno state, hell, even at Cal Poly to now they get paid to play on Sundays. Davis, and the Games, even in the fucking preseason, even in the preseason when you're just running kind of basic plays is so much harder and, and exposes so many people. The practice by about the fourth day, especially if you factor in if you played, you know, an OTA guy, you know exactly who you're going against. His strengths, weaknesses, like you have the ideals, the, the like the the best possible scouting report, right? You see, even if it's like Fred Warner or Trent's probably a little bit of an outlier, but you kind of know what right, he likes and doesn't like. I always heard I, I'm that. In, I'm in an I'm in an outlier. Like even if you know what he likes, it doesn't matter. Like Fred. If you could be, if you're Aaron Banks or whoever, you might just know he loves that first step. Like at a level of just, if you just play him once a year or once every four years, his talent, or or Charvarius, whoever, Debo, you just develop. And you go team by team. Like I go C.D. Lamb, I go A.J. Brown. That the the counterpart, it's a fucking football practice. And and I just think we have, as a collective. I, I just, I'm kicking myself because I just know better. Um, you
1: know, I, uh, I've i been grading every throw for four straight practices that I've attended. And uh, I'll, I'll do the same thing on Thursday, John. For those of you who want to see that, I'll make a separate video. I mean, what's funny is when John texted me that this morning, I said, you know, I listened back to yesterday's podcast a little bit, just a little bit of it. And I agree. I think it's hard to consume throw-by-throw numbers. I think on a fundamental level, it's hard to, in an audio form, talk about like PFF numbers or just statistics in general. It's not what people generally listen. It's not how people generally talk to one another. If you just go back to, you know, it's a classic radio guy thing, but it's always true. Like how do people sit next to each other at a bar at a couch? What do they say to each other? Right. And it's generally some level of, uh, of emotion and opinion. But for me, my grades have somehow backed up or I I the reason I grade is because I want to know if the general opinion that I've formed from watching players throw is um is backed up by the throw by throw that the guy the version of myself that goes throw by throw that what I actually graded, especially when it comes to Trey and Darnold. Like I started it more for those two because I've seen Brock Purdy play in games. I know what he looked like in games last year. I know what Sam looked like in games 55 times. wasn't great, but he's here now. And I don't really know what Trey looks like in games. He doesn't play in them, right? That's part of why I think the on this team, I think that's partly why, like, it's easy for everyone to get dialed into all the throws because we've never seen Trey make that many, and Sam's never made one as a 49er. You know, like, no one's grading Mahomes' throws. Patrick Rourke, whatever that guy, the backup quarterback. Or Josh Allen or Lamar or yeah. any of these
2: people that are starting. It doesn't matter. Mahomes can throw four fucking interceptions Correct. in but a row. It doesn't matter. Say, that, but Kyle told you the guy, kid's got to melt. He's got to melt. We're that's, talking about that's the starting the rub. quarterback. Yeah,
1: that's the rub with Brock, right, is, is that he hasn't been a longtime starter. So how much leash does he have? That is a fair question. But to me, that question doesn't start getting asked until the season starts.
2: But but here's the thing, and I've been saying this forever, and now it's like we don't even really need our Sam Darnold's a better player than Trey. He's just a better player. <laughs> like that that's not I don't see any normal human that can argue that now. Hold on. Today, better player. Stop.
1: Tito's. We are sponsored by Tito's Handmade Vodka. <laughs> Tito's Handmade Vodka, John. Um Little John Daly. Ginger beer. Oh. Lemon and water. Use it however you want to
2: use it. Tito's transfusions.
1: And soda? Oh, what's the transfusion? Where you just soak it it's in grape, ju-
2: gra- it's grape juice, uh, Tito's, and something else. I, th- I think like a little Seven uppie I don't know. I have to. Oh. They just they just make it the golf course. It comes now in a transfusion mix right. that they just pour in with the Tito's. It's yep. probably a little sugary, but it's really good. You probably want to lean the diet if you can, but. That's an incredible golf course drink, and just obviously wherever you're at, Tito's Martini, uh, Espresso Martini, or you can just go to normal Martini. I, I hate—I don't know about you—I hate olives. Oh, the two 30. things. Two things I hate: olives, pickles. But Martini is a clearly a popular historic drink. Uh, it's just not for me. The last time I ordered a a,
1: a Martini, John, it was a couple of years ago. I was at like a kind of a like it was like this locals bar, not a dive bar, but just like a locals bar. I could tell, and uh, somebody else was with ordered a. Uh, a martini extra dirty and i honestly didn't know what that meant exactly and i was like just make it too i love doing just make it too and um took one sip could not drink it left it on the bar as Plus i it sat Extra
2: vermuth or whatever no
1: it's like extra it's like the olive juice gets poured in there yeah. and uh i i'm sitting at the bar on like a high top near the bar and the bartender insisted on asking several times somebody left their martini whose martini is this And I had to keep pretending like it wasn't me, you know, who like spent money on a drink and then just left it at the bar because he couldn't drink it. Embarrassing. So, you know, don't do anything silly. Just go to those soda or something.
2: Guy, I've been drinking for all, I mean, not far away from 25 years. I've never had a martini ever in my life. And I never will because there is nothing I move faster on than olives on my pizza olives on my salad i don't care what it is oh. to get picked off even the castro 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 olives the green like the green italian the black olives i understand but the green I olives. fucking i hate but the green olive is what they put in the martini right yeah well
1: in a martini i'm just saying like give me one of those with some cheese and whatever crackers or something
2: olives pickles not touching that's why i go tito's and soda uh,
1: Tito's Handmade Vodka, America's Original Craft Vodka. In 1995, Tito Beverage built his own distillery, put his life savings into it, and then he just started winning awards. And now uh, they are sponsoring this podcast. So thank you to them. Distilled and bottled in Austin, Texas. 40% alcohol by volume, namely 80 Proof crafted to be savored responsibly. Uh, I was in the Kyle Shanahan uh, post-practice press conference today, John, and he got asked a lot about Brock. He got asked about Trey and the building – noise around whether or not Trey is the backup quarterback or whether he's good enough to be the third string quarterback or whether he can be an NFL quarterback at all. A lot of it stemming from the Raider game on Sunday. And uh, a lot of questions about about how he views practice for Brock and practice interceptions and that sort of thing. Piece of news or note, n- not news. He said two different things about who is going to play this Saturday against the Broncos. He said, it's going to be the reverse of what it was last week, where Darnold starts and then Trey comes in. But then he also said he doesn't know if Brock's going to play or not. Keep in mind Brandon Allen hasn't practiced yet this week, so I don't know if baby, he's still going right? to get like his kind of his quarter. He yeah, he had a baby, so I don't know if he's going to get his quarter at the end of the game or not. Um, so maybe those two guys split halves, or maybe Brock does play a little anyway. But um, yeah, that topic that is like outside on social on the internet on television, all of that stuff made its way to Kyle Shanahan today. And, um,
2: you know, it's one of the biggest stories, I'd say, going in the NFL right now. Well, of course it did because they played a nationally televised game on Sunday, Sunday like afternoon for a lot of people on the East Coast. And I've heard countless people talk about it just random from Orlovsky's to whoever. Because you could have been in New York, you could have been on the Eastern Seaboard, NFL Network, Raiders, Niners, and it was like the Raiders weren't playing anyone, but if you like football, if you enjoy just conversations about football, when Trey Lance is starting, you're going to tune in. So to me, the conversation, when I see national criticism, of course there was. The majority of football fans tuned in for a couple series, and the guy was fucking terrible. He can't see anything. Obviously, JT O'Sullivan did a breakdown. I mean, the guy doesn't see it. And to me, there's a long line of players who are intelligent people who work hard, and I think this speaks to academia, that you can take them into a room, you can teach them on the whiteboard, supply, demand, how to land a client, where to throw the football, and they get it. And then you throw them in the real world, and they they can't close a deal. They can't run the offense. And you watch a guy who can't take from the meeting room, because I would imagine in the meeting room, Trey sees it, understands it, can articulate it, and they feel good about that. And 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 he's not alone. He comes from a long line. He doesn't come from this, but there is a long line of players throughout the league history. Well, the majority of them, I think, the majority of them can somewhat function, right? If you play in the NFL for a while, well, I just say the majority of quarterbacks, the majority. Yeah, okay, if we're just speaking, I'm speaking all
1: positions. Yeah, if it's you just like the game starts, and oh shit, because it's. But just I think you,
2: yeah, harder. but I think you go to a, lot, you go to a lot of positions that a safety can be really smart. And then he gets there and he plays slow. And anytime you hear there's a big difference between time, speed, and play speed, it's because guys are thinking. Guys are overthinking. And, and Trey's a classic. He just feels like there's a robotic nature to him. And to me, robotic nature quarterbacks to me, fucking stink. And like I watched Trey Lance in that game, and especially JT's breakdown of like the nuanced, nitty-gritty, nerdy football. You can't function at, the, at this level. Like, There are going to be rookie quarterbacks, C.J. Stroud, all three rookies, let's say, in the top four, Indy, Carolina, and Houston. All three could be drafted in the top five, and it just won't matter. You can just live and die with them, figure it out. C.J. Stroud's a good example of a guy going from this spread Ohio State offense, Chip Kelly, Ryan Day, version of whatever it is now, to now playing in the Shanahan offense. It's going to be tough. He's going to look shitty, and none of it's going to matter. I mean, you're going to evaluate him, but it's like a big picture. Like it's he's going to get whatever 35, 40 starts to just kind of figure it out. Those days are clearly past, and this guy is feels like that's how like a rookie would look, right? And, and well, it's just, yeah. I mean,
1: I you know it was interesting. There were a lot of rookies that played this weekend, and that's how it kind of looked.
2: Well, exactly. So when people like I saw, did you see Orlovsky went on first take and was like, "I've come to the conclusion." And he tends to be a positive, like pro young players. He loves Kyle Shanahan. Obviously, he played for him in Houston. He was like, "This guy can't play in Kyle Shanahan's offense." That was his. That was his quote. This guy cannot play in Kyle Shanahan's offense. Raise my hand. I agree. Now, I, I assumed it would get like this. Just we've talked about this before, but this is where we're at. And so he can give his quotes. I, I think they're saying this to you know. I, my gut right now, my educated guess here, Wednesday, August 16th, is that he will be traded uh, early in the you know week one cut date, kind of that. They'll eat some money, and they'll just get rid of him, and Brandon Allen will be the third. Not because even necessarily like Brandon Allen's more talented or whatever. They just feel more comfortable with this guy running the offense. And we've seen time and time and time and time and time and time again. I actually think this speaks to a lot of the Kyle guys because most of their football origination – if they came with them in Houston, like before they went to Washington, it was Matt Schaub. But then they saw firsthand the Cousins. Like, they're all kind of inclined. You see, like, the Packers, Sean Clifford, like, they really like that guy. I bet LaFleur, like, you know, we saw when all those guys went and resurrected Jared Goff. Kyle, the type players he liked. Even Josh McDaniels, who is not in there, you know, he's a Belichick guy. But they kind of like the same quarterbacks, right? Mac Jones, Hoyer, Jimmy Garoppolo, historically. That's... They're inclined like the Andy Reid guys, who do they like? Matt Nagy, Justin Fields, Andy, Mahomes, you know, McNabb. I think it's uh, fair- Sean Sean McDermott, Josh Allen, because he was around young McNabb. I think it's fair to ask like if all those guys have the wrong idea, right?
1: Like the only one that's won is the guy that got a more talented player, McVay. If your type is Mac Jones, are you gonna win any championships?
2: No, but but I'm saying ideally they want like The guy to they they believe the highest end of that like Stafford kind of became that, right? Uh, Matt Ryan is the best example MVP. Like they they want the high end of it, a guy that can win an MVP, but you have to be able to run the offense and feel comfortable. Rodgers obviously with Lafleur, right? And even they kind of hybrided that, like he was still in the shotgun. But there is no when you're not seeing stuff that you don't have a fucking snowball's chance in hell with these guys. Because like the football, the way that all these guys were taught football from Kyle and, and Kyle obviously learned from Mike and the Kubiak, like that's that's what this bad boy is. So when you don't see it and you're lost, honestly, Andy, all the other coaches are the same thing. Right? It's not like that's a just a Shanahan thing. Not seeing it at quarterback, like you're, you're dead on arrival. But that's where we are, and uh, he's just yeah, but I, I, I guess not my, even disputable.
1: My question for Orlovsky would be, like, why does he – is he just being kind when he says can't play in the Shanahan offense? Because I'd say, like, you mentioned Andy Reid. You know, part of playing differently is making the extraordinary plays, right? If you're not going to be the on-time accurate guy, are you going to make the extraordinary plays that make up for the fact that you're not the on-time accurate guy? And what's Andy's always had – I guess – What was Kevin Cobb supposed to be? Foles was not really his guy, but I know you said he liked him. Um, But McNabb was the extraordinary play guy, right? I mean, Mahomes is obviously the extraordinary play guy. I didn't see the Orlovsky thing. I just read it. My question for him would be what what would work then? Now, part of what might work is just playing without consequences for a year or two, which is what young quarterbacks on bad teams get to do, right? you play without consequences. When you are on a contender, you don't play without consequences. in games. I think his
2: his overall point I and I just watched a short clip was like this is over. This experiment, this situation is over. Right? He was just in the present about this quarterback, yeah. this team, this it's it's over. And I am there too. And I think most people I text with are there. Like this this thing's over. And, and a part of it just the no field, the no touch, I mean <laughs> the just I watch a guy that I don't view as currently, and maybe he could get this over time. I, I would bet against it now. Uh, though it's not unprecedented. I, I was listening to Papa talk about Rich Gannon, who you know, took him forever. I, I do think the times are just so much different. The pressure in the NFL, the amount of money getting thrown around, like how many guys just
1: get... The amount of quarterbacks that get drafted. How-
2: like the amount of
1: teams that just will... Draft high and then move on from a young quarterback, right? So they may be
2: inclined to just do that instead. The amount of quarterbacks that are coming into the league that are kind of ready to throw because of the offenses in, yeah. Like, think how what would you say? Obviously, we're still what 15 days away from the start of college football, but I would imagine if you just pulled, you know, the Feldmans of the world that cover college football like deeply, and then just how many days away did you say? Well, I think Notre Dame Navy's early, but what would you? 15 USC days? USC San Jose State is one week away from Thursday. Okay, did not know that. Is <laughs> <laughs> that week zero? Yeah, next Thursday. So, so Notre Dame Navy is that weekend then, probably, huh? Are they playing abroad? Uh, yeah, they're the Ireland. They, they're the Ireland game. Nice. I, I Sorry, guess my I point, point is going. like okay, the people that are you know Bruce Feldman, there's probably a couple of him, and then. Either a GM and a GM might not be super locked in, but his maybe director of college scouting. If you did over under quarterbacks in the top fifty picks based on the group in college right now, wouldn't it be like five or six? Yeah, be, it's it's but but it like tangibly too. Like we already know three guys, and then there's like probably another three four swing guys. Who's your third I, guy? Well, I've May, seen a lot of buzz on Caleb the Michigan the, the, the Michigan guys. Like we, I gotta see oh. a little more. But there are other names out there. Uh, the dude that transferred to Notre Dame, Hartman, he could really yep. rise his stock, right? Yep. Jordan Travis I at mean, Florida State. Uh, Michael Penix. Michael Nix. Yeah. So, I mean, we, we got a lot of – I mean, we, I, I think you could just look people in like top 50, eight, nine names beside the four or five guys that feel pretty – so that's the amount of guys. Will Levis right now can't beat out Malik Willis. Malik Willis, I guess, is a guy that took huge strides this offseason, looked pretty good in their uh, preseason opener, and Vrabel loves him. But it's not like Malik Willis the seventh. They drafted him last year in the third round, right? Wait, does John Robinson get his job back, or did he not draft? Well, (laughs) if he found the starting quarterback, does he get his job back? It's what I love most about the NFL, why I can't, and listen, I think it's a tiny – Twitter vocal minority of the people like holding on for dear life with Trey. Right, like, who views football like that? <laughs> you know? Non-guys, little equity. Th- this league turns you out and moves on, especially as you're winning. See ya, see ya, see ya, see ya, see ya. Who gives a shit? I, I-, I don't understand anyone who's emotionally tied to any of this. Uh, because I everything don't... has baggage. Nothing is ever... here?
1: Whatever, I don't know. Whatever, I have this opinion. I hate the guy that has the other opinion. I don't know. But... John, almost every argument that happens in a public space has some – alter. it's rare. It's funny to me. I was thinking about this the other day when people like, oh, you changed your mind. How could you change your opinion? Which is all anybody ever tries to get the other person to do in an argument. But, you know, nobody really changes their minds in these arguments, in part because you stake your claim for, I don't know, a variety of reasons. You don't I, like – I- you think Kyle's bad. You think Brock's not that good. You you think Brock's getting treated a certain way? You think Sam stinks and he shouldn't be here? I mean, we could come up with a hundred pieces of inf- reasons why somebody might stick to their opinion one way or another on this topic, or any topic for that matter.
2: Well, I, I get having an opinion, and then once you start seeing things, it's like, I mean, are you blind or are you blind? <laughs> I don't know the other argument. Like, what? what's What's the what, – what are we to – What discussing? I just said, what's like, you know, info? you want somebody to be – It's. it's – I think people don't
1: even recognize when there are emotions leaking into their opinions that are supposed to be, you know,
2: I agree. It's human nature, but after you watch games with any of these players, right. In any sport, you're either good or you're not. It's the best part about sports. Now there are still, there's like fluid situations. Sure, like But, big, but even that from- is somewhat subjective,
1: right? I mean, I, I, I agree with what you're saying. I'm just saying like people think one person's pretty. Another person thinks they're unattractive. Like, I, this is just the nature of it, and that's why we like sports to a point. Is because at the end, somebody wins and somebody loses. And yeah, the Niners can say we're better than the Eagles, but who gives a shit? You lost to the Eagles, or it didn't go the way. Yeah, it does not matter. Lost. Why well, right. the but, Eagles had won
2: the Super Bowl, they got the ring. You didn't get the ring. But this is the rewind. Like the whole point of Trey Lance, for example, was this potential, this upside. Right now we're in, now we're in year three, and we just saw him. I mean. In a preseason well, game, look—you can't look any worse. So for here's being what I, in that no, situation. you
1: can Here's what I do think is fair, though. Is like we've said all this time, he needs to play, needs to play, needs to play. So then he plays. It looks—it looks bad, and we go, "Oh, he shouldn't play anymore." Like for me, I wouldn't be that invested in keeping Brandon Allen over Trey Lance, just on the ten percent chance he can become something more. But you know, I, they've gotten to their third quarterback before. And that guy's had to play important games. So I understand kind of playing it safe, going with the higher floor, which is what you think Brandon Allen would be, or what they might think Brandon Allen would be. And, you know, trading trade, and there's a financial benefit to doing that. I don't think we can ignore that either. Um, and they think, like, if if their conclusion is we have moved on, right, which is what you're saying, it's what Arlovsky's saying, it's what a lot of people have said, then what are you holding on for? Because the, if the conclusion is you can't develop him, Unless he's your starting quarterback, well, then how are you going to develop him? It's better for him, and it's better for you if he plays football somewhere else.
2: well That's why this situation here is over. And I see a lot of people, like, he should demand a trade to where and start. I've thought about this a lot for the last, honestly, since that performance. Who is he starting for that would trade for? Like, the team that I heard wanted to trade for him this offseason and not... A high value was the Minnesota Vikings. He would not start there. They just traded for him. What's Quesi? Value guy, get a young player. We're not gonna re sign cousins. Maybe we get in a position where we got we got a tryout period with a guy with a lot, you know. But he's not starting this year. Like he's not starting all these teams with young quarterbacks, he's not starting on any of them. Desmond Ritter, now, if he showed up tomorrow like they traded for him, Desmond Ritter is starting early in the season. Now, if he were to suck, then they could go to him. But like he wouldn't start week one over that guy, and then you just look at the countless twenty plus. Uh, in I French wouldn't ask starters. for a trade if I were him. He knows this offense. We has, but he has nowhere to go. Like, yeah, that to too. But I, I like
1: on this team. I know how things have gone the last several years. I wouldn't want to. I wouldn't ask for a trade if I were Trey. I'd try to be the number three quarterback and see what happens with Darnold and see what happens with Purdy. But this is
2: where if I'm Kyle Shanahan and he's the third string quarterback. I have no problem. Like, I'm with you. He's not a cuttable player because the the salary cap implications, you want to be in position, maybe midseason, you can make a trade, whatever. You don't want to add dead money to the operation. But do you eat some of it just to unload him and get the conversation? Because I do think he's going to be the guy, and it's not his fault. Like, th- this is the 49ers' fault. I've said this over and over. It is not Solomon Thomas's fault. It's not Cleveland Farrell's fault. It's not Trey Lance's fault. It's not Zach Wilson. Those guys both had direct impact of that, uh, both their seasons. I mean, BYU typically plays a fantastic schedule. That year was a joke. Trey did not have a season. Those guys are product of teams making poor picks, right? Because Solomon Thomas and Cleveland Farrell, both those guys are going to play combined 20-plus years in the NFL. They're, both of them are headed toward 10-year careers if they stay healthy, right? Solomon's on the Jets right now. People like... Both players, they are going nowhere. But we all say, what a terrible pick. But you and and I have talked about this over and over. If they were a third-round pick, you'd be like, God damn, Solomon Thomas played for 11 years in the league? Yeah, bad pick, also bad match with, you know, when you
1: draft a quarterback in the top five or the top ten or in the first round or whatever, but when you draft a guy that high, like the Bills with, now maybe it was easy because he got better, but what is your number one priority? Develop this quarterback at all costs, or win now at all costs. Those two things, they don't go together, right? They didn't go together. The Niners had a decision. Develop, trade, all costs, or win right now at all costs. They chose win right now at all costs. Fine. But then you misevaluated what? Like how much development he was going to need? Like you missed a couple. Like it's it's double bad. Maybe they would tell you, no, we were right about the guy. We just never got the chance to pull him out of it or pull it out of him. I don't know. But I'm with you. I think it's they were wrong problem.
2: about the. I think they were wrong about the player who never was going to be as good as we thought. Now, did he reach his potential here? Clearly not. But how much potential was there? And we've talked about this all the time in the draft. There's no such thing as a high floor because high floor guys get cut year two all the time, and obviously yeah. high ceiling guys are historically very hit or miss. Also, high floor guys don't get drafted in the first round. They shouldn't. One, one hundred percent. Right. That's the point of the Mac Jones pick. Yeah, I mean that's. Honestly, Brock Purdy, like those guys, Kirk Cousins, Dak Prescott, mid-round picks, like those guys just maximize their potential, but they're still flawed players. Like Derek, now you would redo it because you would want these starting quarterbacks, but like Derek and Jimmy and Dak and Cousins, and like that's what made Russell's those first seven, eight years pretty like you got that in the third round. Right? right. Wouldn't you say that that's he's a unique outlier of like most even home run third, fourth round pick quarterbacks are still ones we argue about all the time. Like,
1: They're God not Hall damn, of Fame Dex- tier one guys, which no. Russ might be a Hall of Famer, but he's a tier one guy at his best. I,
2: I, I if I had to take an educated guess of the unknown and maybe we figure that find this out one time, if he gets a chance to start that Trey would not have been that good if he got five years to start. Right that's I feel pretty confident saying that. Because I, I was thinking about this today with Sam Darnold. If you put Trey Lance in Sam Darnold's situation, those couple years with Adam Gase and then traded to rule, I bet it would look worse. I bet he would have been dramatic dramatic strong. That might be a little... But he would have been worse. So it was, if it was shitty as we all talk about that, Maybe, Lance yeah. would have been worse. Lance is a worse player. <laughs> I think Sam was better at the same age. He's better at every... And he's... We argue about him all the time. Well, like he should like part of me I was thinking this today like he should have looked better on Sunday. He's played 55 NFL games, right? And that's why I've always bet on him being the number 2 because that's what matters to Kyle is right now. He's not he doesn't care about 3 years
1: from. Yeah, him. I mean I think Kyle always thinks like whatever you were somewhere else, if it was bad, you can be that with me. If it was good, I can make you better than you were somewhere else, right? And I think Sam is pretty I think most co- are a lot of
2: coaches could, think that
1: That's true, but I think Sam specifically is pretty unique in the galaxy of Kyle Shanahan guys because I think he's always, I think specifically Sammy's always liked. And I think they were going to draft him in 2018. And I think he thinks, how often can you get a guy of this talent level at this age, at this point in his career, this cheap? So I I think Sam, and I've told you this Brock is the starting quarterback and he's going to be, he's going to get every, like, that's his job. I'm not debating it. But what makes Sam unique for Kyle in this situation a little weird, potentially, is what everything I just said, plus the fact that Sam's a free agent after the year. And I don't know if Kyle thinks of it this way necessarily, but I, I am definitely aware of the fact that I think Kyle's always kind of wanted to work for, for five years. He's been waiting to work with Darnold and now he's doing it. You know, the um,
2: guy, they franchise the kicker. They'll franchise a swing starter backup quarterback. It's a good point. <laughs> you know, That's
1: a good although he becomes very expensive to just to be Kirk Cousins' backup. No, I'm kidding. Um But do, do you view the
2: quarterback room one and two as like I I think guess that, one and to that. me the
1: two, Yeah, the competition for number two appears to me. Now Kyle said today they're still competing. I I you know part of it also, and this is where I'm not gonna regurgitate practice grades for you, but there has been I'll walk off this podcast. (laughs) Um, I think Sam's been the better practice player. So we care about the games once you start playing games, but the game, Trey hasn't looked like that in practice. I'm not saying that, but I think like when I just look at my last four days of data, as an example of practice grades, Sam's been the better player in practice. So, yeah, I mean, when you watch what happened the other day, and then you add to it, kind of, it, this is constant. Like, did you you watch the Raiders broadcast? I don't know if you heard, like, Rich Gannon. You, like, you hear a lot of people around it who get to be around it, kind of be inside the circle for a little bit, kind of saying the same stuff. They keep going back to Trey's accuracy. Now, that's not what JT's video was about, but I think Sam doesn't get the ball out on time and he throws picks. That's what his fifty-five games tell us. His practice and his one preseason game so far, he doesn't throw picks and he gets the ball out quickly.
2: Well, do you know why these conversations, like the game of telephone when you dual practice with someone for two games, then you play in the preseason game. Like who is, I guess slowick has gone, but uh I'm trying to think of the guy's name. The Kubiaks? The Greasy's, the Kubiaks. I mean, there's two Kubiaks on the staff. Okay, so. the Kubiaks, the, the, the Forrester's. Who the fuck do you think they're talking to at the practices like when they're bullshitting over some Gatorades? Josh, Mick Lombardi, his whole crew. Who do you think then is intermixed into that? Rich Gannon, uh, T-Rock, who are they all talking about? Do you think they're talking constantly about like, Trent Williams, Jesus Christ, can this guy get any better? I would imagine the number one conversation intertwined with all these guys is the quarterback. One thing Papa said, I think when I was driving home from Tahoe, maybe I heard him the next day when I was going to pick up some Starbucks, was that the some of the crew with the 49ers told the Raiders crew, we loved Aiden O'Connell too. And we've been, it's awesome to see him thrive with you guys. This is before the game, but obviously we weren't in a position with all of our quarterback situation, but it makes sense. Like you see that guy, I bet Aiden O'Connell, I would imagine some of the Shanahan crew around the league had a high opinion of that guy. Don't you imagine? <laughs> right? Yes. Yeah. High IQ guy from Purdue, has some traits, just feels like an easygoing guy, some natural quarterback. You don't get to take sticks. credit for guys
1: you didn't draft, though.
2: No, but my point is, it's pretty easy to go around. Like, you tell me, Sean Clifford, like, I bet McVay liked him. I bet, you know, uh, very so, easy. I'm uh, you. that's my point. It is like, uh hell, Stetson Bennett, it feels like McVay actually has a, like a little edge to him with some of his guys, a little different from that crew. But this is what I'm saying is that, those guys like there is what's the conversation around trey i i, I would tend to imagine it leans negative negative. and when i say negative accuracy issues man we just this guy just the game some we're just uncomfortable with his decision making some of this stuff and that's where i get to the difference between the practices and the games because you go well it didn't look that bad it that happens for a lot of players Right. Because in practice, after a while, you, you're, you're understanding – you don't you're need a game plan on a daily basis from your offensive coach against the defensive players you're playing. Like, you you know just as a player who you're playing against. It's like if you play pickup basketball every day, if you're just an average player against some other average player, like obviously if you played an NBA guy or college player, you're going to get work. But I'm just saying someone at your level, if you played them seven days straight – or the older you get, you need some days off. But you know what I mean. Played them a lot you would know what his strengths and weaknesses are as a player by just standing in front of him. It's no different than at a player. It's why these practices at this point, for, for evaluating the quarterback play, especially like the second guys, it's null and void when we see them against the, the live bullets when you don't quite know what's going to happen. Practice is the, is the
1: best information you have until you get games, and then the games are by far like 10x the best information you have.
2: Because there, there's nothing now Trey can do in practice to me to improve anything.
1: Well, he can't pass like Darnold in practice. No. Um, I want to pull something up here that I mentioned a, several weeks ago, and I give. I was sitting next to Matt Mayoka one day, and he said, "Do you see what Brandon Allen said?" And I said, "What did he say?" And he said, "Oh, I, I just put this in my article." And I have thought about this like every time we talk about these quarterbacks. Brandon Allen said, "This is this is from a article three weeks ago. If you can play within the system." And use the talent around you. Those are the biggest things. This offense is designed to get guys open. So your biggest job is to put the ball where it needs to be against the right coverage with accuracy. Look at this part. This system works well for quarterbacks who can just be accurate and play on time. And that was the part, like when you watch J.T. O'Sullivan's video for anybody that watched it. And a lot of people yesterday when I was streaming, John said, you got to watch it. So I, I know you watched the first 10, 15 minutes of it, as did I. Like that is what is happening right there at the beginning of it. Right. It works well. If you can be accurate and be on time and the on time part, like when do you pull the trigger and do you do it to the right spot? When the offense opens up a throw for you is I think the part that I, I thought it was really interesting. I don't know if you noticed this, but you know, the interception that land or the touchdown that Lance threw that was like to all of us, obviously a horrible throw. Kyle was actually like, eh, I didn't hate it. He saw it. He pulled the trigger. He got to his third read. He saw it. He pulled the trigger, right? What he was saying was, I think, well, the other stuff wasn't there. Then he got to the right place. And then when he saw what was there, he tried it. Didn't execute it, but he saw it and he ex- and, and he mentally actually did the right thing. I thought it was really interesting that Kyle was complimentary of that play. When you look back at
2: kind of, you know, the stuff that on tape he didn't make. When I first saw that, I was like, oh, he's just saying this to not try to shit on the kid and keep his trade value high." And as the couple days went, I went, "I actually kind of believe. I, I do believe what I he's saying, too. because like if you think about like a, uh, you ever see Saving Private Ryan? Yeah, you know the one soldier that was just terrified, like was always hiding, didn't yeah. want to be in the war. If you don't pull the trigger in, as a quarterback in those situations, you got no chance, none." And I would say the majority of that game, he felt gun shy. Just feels like he's just hesitating. I bet mean, for the first time, Kyle's like, the fucking guy just tried to be a dual threat playmaker. Holy shit, you know? That's just we were hoping to get obviously play within the offense and get some spectacular. Like he just doesn't even do that. And and a huge emphasis for anyone. And again, this is the small vocal minority. Like he's really getting rolling right now. Do you even count the little rollout boot dump-offs? Like, that's how Jordan Love got rolling in the pre- – like, it's just – that's the basis of the offense. Hold on. Those are zero throws, John, and those are important well, throws in this offense. You have to make those throws in this offense. But I'm saying he had a couple of those, like, oh, he's kind of getting his feel for him. Like, like, I would say anyone on this well, team is doing that as when, well. When he, when, he, when he hit back-to-back throws kind of over the middle at the end of the half, that's when it felt
1: like he did get a little momentum. But, yeah, you're right. I mean, that's –
2: if you do not see it, those are basic. Because that, because because my point on that, there's nothing to see on that. It's just can you just complete the pass, right? The, the play is set, U- unless somehow they, you know, the backside guy keeps with them and he's covered. Then you kind of got a freelance, right? But that is a one read, like a backdoor cut, like you you know exactly where you're throwing the ball yeah. when you're rolling out. So if you remove that, like that's there's nothing to see there. It's the pocket stuff where it's just. JT O'Sullivan did a good job of like, I don't even know these plays, but I've been around football long enough to there's no way this isn't your second read. Right? And and even your first read, like one thing he emphasized, and he's so right, like this is open in the NFL. Like his back's to you, throw it to the left or right of him and have your wide receiver hit him in one of his shoulders. Like th- this is open in the league. And that's where I think when you swung for the fences, Josh Allen still deals with some accuracy issue. But ultimately, he makes that play more often than not. And I'm saying he started to early on in his career. And if you don't get that, like you don't get any playmaking, the, the accuracy is just that at this point in time, he's he's hit or miss accuracy-wise. And then you don't really get the playmaking. Is why Kyle was kind of excited to see him attempt to make a play. And I don't blame him. Confidence is a very, very powerful thing. And when things go wrong, he knows his margin for error is pretty small. I bet even in his mind, he might think it's a rig deal. I wouldn't blame him because it is. But he, you can feel the pressing. And then if you naturally don't see it, it just snowballs into all of us talking, saying he's not that good. And to me, it's like, this isn't personal or whatever. This is the big leagues. I mean, this is, this is, he that's what Shanahan said today. Yeah. This is a fucking, this he is said the it's, show. It's, it comes with the territory. It's part of being a high pick and a high qu- and a quarterback. It's both. It's it, it, as Troy Aikman said, it comes with a meal, you know. And it's just this is—you're either good enough or you're not—and happens over and over, right? He's just not good enough. He's just not good enough. Even the guys that actually are solid, I think Jimmy and Derek are very good examples of like, God, you could do dramatically worse. They get drugged through the mud, right? Now, granted, and what i say about, they're paid a lot of money. Right? It's part of the fucking, you get the arrows. If Nick Bosa, whenever the fuck he shows back up and they pay him, has a season where he, off an enormous contract, has nine sacks, people would be critical of him, right? His expectations are Fred Warner. Fred yeah. Warner became the best linebacker in the league, went through a rough stretch. It's like, what the hell's going on? just the nature of all these players, right? I'm going to give you the same advice
1: I gave my buddy who just called me recently because he was getting a vasectomy. He just came from the doctor. They said they told me I got to shave. I said, gotta get to More like it. And I sent him the Lawnmower 5.0 from Manscaped. It's going to be the MVP for him and for you this March. Go to Manscaped.com and use the code HAM to get 20% off and free shipping. Get the performance package 5.0 Ultra, and you'll be the Cinderella story of March. The Lawnmower 5.0 is strong until the last stroke with a battery that lasts the entire tournament, a waterproof design, and interchangeable skin-safe blade heads that guarantee smooth ball handling every time. To top it off, the performance package throws in two free gifts, boxers 2.0, and the new toiletry bag, so get 20% off and free shipping with the code ham and manscaped.com. That's 20% off and free shipping manscaped.com code ham. When things get hairy, make sure to call on manscaped in clutch time, get on the prize picks app, just like me and use the code ham 50 for a first deposit match of up to $100 football season's over, but hoop season is getting hot. Last night, I was thinking about ordering out, and then I reached into the freezer, grabbed some ground beef, and all of a sudden, it was homemade taco night. With ButcherBox, you don't have to worry about what's for dinner. ButcherBox is offering all of you your choice of weeknight meal essentials. You get peace of mind with ButcherBox because it's high-quality meat and seafood you can trust. You get the ultimate convenience because it's delivered right to your door with free shipping, as always. And you get the ultimate customization. Your customization might be, I don't know what to do. Send me the good stuff. And they send you the good stuff. curated. Right now, go to butcherbox.com ham and use the code ham. And you'll get either three pounds of chicken thighs, two pounds of ground beef, or one pound of premium steak tips for free in every order for a year plus $20 off your first order. Sign up at butcherbox.com slash ham and use the code ham to choose your free offer and get $20 off. Today's episode is sponsored by NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. NerdWallet's trusted financial journalists use fact-based reporting for some much-needed clarity in the finance world. The nerds will help you get smarter about balancing your portfolio and avoiding scams so your money is just as safe as betting against the Cowboys in the playoffs. Planning your tax bill so you don't dread April every year. And saving on travel. Vacation's coming. You spend less on airfare. It means you're not choosing between surf or turf. It's surf and turf for dinner and maybe even an extra night stay. So listen to Nerd wallet Smart Money podcast on your favorite podcast app. Future you will thank you. Takovas, oh yeah. I was just looking at some pictures of a concert. Luke Bryan, my wife and I went to, I don't know, 10 years ago. She had some old cowboy boots on. This is like a couple weeks ago, and I said, you, you need some new boots because we're going to see Luke Combs. So she went to Tecovas.com, and they're just perfect. She loves them. You can do the same. You go to Tecovas.com. These boots are Austin-designed, Texas-tested, handmade down in the boot capital of the world, Leon, Mexico. If you've ever wondered, can I pull off cowboy boots, then you should pull on a pair of Tacovas, and you'll see they'll become your new favorite footwear. Cowboys knew what they were doing when they invented western wear and it's all kinds of western staples trucker jackets the perfect jeans to go with your boots performance pearl snaps cowboy hats bandanas you name it they'll get you outfitted if you can't make it to a store tacovas delivers the most premium quality most comfortable western goods right to your door visit tacovas.com that's t e c o v a s.com and point your toes west
2: can i tell you about my friends very, very good friends. And mainly because I've been using this app for a long time Game Time. They are the best ticket app I've ever used. You shouldn't have to worry when you buy tickets to your next big event. You want to go to a concert? You want to go watch Steph Curry and Clay Thompson and Draymond make a little playoff run? Well, that's where you use Game Time. You just download the app on your smartphone. And you can search any event, concerts, comedy shows, games, pro and college. Search by price point or search by where you want to sit at the venue. It gives you sightline on the app. And uh, it's really easy buying tickets in seconds with like two taps. I cannot recommend it enough. And here's what we're doing for you. When you use the promo code ham, H-A-M, you save $20 off at checkout. That's promo code HAM at checkout and save $20 to any event. Download the GameTime app now.
3: BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then...
0: Every time. And if you love the filet of fish, right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price.
2: Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. What's the expectation for A.J. Brown? And you go team by team that are good, like Travis Kelsey. The expectation Geno Smith now. It's just sky high. It's what makes playing for the Yankees, you know, playing for the Dodgers, playing for good teams in the NFL, playing for the Warriors like. Did, we didn't treat like why? What I don't understand is like James Wiseman didn't work, and they moved on. Like I, I think this situation is very, very similar. They swung for the fences, it just not right spot. Like he belongs on a shitty team. Now it's easier in basketball to just. They also want a, a championship
1: between drafting James Wiseman and letting him go.
2: Yeah, I mean, beside the Chiefs, like if you're making it the NFC Championship game, well, I understand. Like, I'm, I'm just what?
1: saying, like you don't, you know, you win a championship and.
2: I know, but it's like, just about anything even off. if they hadn't, I just, it's. I'm not saying you don't want to win a championship, but it's, let's not act like these last couple years haven't been fucking big time relative to the, beside the chief. There's one team. Oh, right yeah. Now I the mean, but, but that's, but
1: John, is. that's why Kyle Shanahan's not on the hot seat. That's why John Lynch is not on the hot seat It's because they've, they've won football games. They have overcome a very bad pick. Not just the pick. Yeah. They weren't drafting in that spot. They traded up for that spot. So they leveraged a lot.
3: Maybe every also single a player bad that process. they could have
1: drafted was sweet. Maybe also a bad process. But they've won despite it. So, I mean, I don't.
2: The process was embarrassing. There's no way around it. Yeah, it if was... they traded up without knowing who to draft, then that's a bad process. Yeah. Hindsight, 2020, I totally agree with that. But this, the, the result, the process, the execution of it, what are we doing? The we couldn't have taken Mac Jones twelve because someone would have traded up. I have a hard time. And I mean, by the Belichick way, signed Belichick long... signed Zeke for six hundred k bonus. What
1: here's what I don't. like about that. It's like, are we sure drafting Mac Jones at twelve would have been the right decision?
2: Would have been a disaster.
1: Yeah. So I don't like. I don't. I don't accept that as like the uh, acceptable alternative. That would not have been acceptable.
2: It, it, I mean, we'll see on Justin Fields. Uh, I was. He would have been my number two guy in that draft, but we'll see how that turns out. I don't think out. that's going to work out either, but... Probably not. So it, it might have been, beside, you remove Trevor Lawrence, a Fugazi draft when it comes to quarterbacks. All four guys could be on different teams within a couple of years, right? All four of them. Uh, I wouldn't the, even say Pitts. They should have just stayed at 12 and taken some sweet player and had their other picks and traded those picks for other sweet players. <laughs> that's what I would have done. As sitting here today, at the time, I mean, they, they were just really rattled by the whole 20-year. I, I think part of it, people's heads were – the, they they got displaced. I mean, they got kicked out of their own homes. Uh, everyone was sitting in boxes. I mean, it was uh, bizarre times.
1: Oh, you're saying they weren't in the right mind? How could they have been? <laughs> well, they were, de- they were operating from a place of desperation, right, when it came to the quarterback. They thought, in part, like, oh, there's all these quarterbacks – We'll get a guy that's
2: good. I the one thing I struggle with sometimes. They they get very emotional. I, I think the the group with like their core guys and most of their core guys they don't have to, like Kittle's easy, Check's easy, Ayuk's relative. I'd say easy now. Fred Warner, Charvarius feels very easy. Uh, I, I, Bosa, beside the money feels very easy to them. Trent's very easy to them. I feel like there are a couple guys that like. You know, clearly, Debo, they get emotional with that situation. Uh, Jimmy, did you see the latest on Jimmy of, like, he went dark on them during the playoffs, and he claims that he was getting ready, and they claim, bullshit, we just lost touch with you. And it's like, we would have gone with, We the Philip Rivers thing is old news, but the point of that is, like, we had lost trust in Jimmy. It's like, when they get distrustful, and maybe this is a psychoanalyzing Kyle, it just kind of throws everything out of whack. Like, he's just not thinking straight. That's why maybe he does those mental things that he claims he does when he watches, I don't did
1: you, like, I don't even understand show. what that is. He just watches to Yellowstone and puts something on his brain. I didn't quite figure out what he does.
2: You know the smartest people intellectually, right? They read a lot. Yeah. It's like fuel for your brain. Uh-huh. I I think whatever he was doing is something like the 49ers have access to maybe some tech startup. That you yes. just put on your brain and yes. it just like re energizes you. Right. It's you like know? the
1: thing you, they used to advertise that you just put on your belly while you watch TV and it gives you, a it makes it like just vibrates and gives you ab, abdominals.
2: What's the Bradley Cooper movie where he's taking the pill and it makes him like an absolute genius? It feels like that's what they're trying to.
1: Oh, uh, in, um, yeah. Uh, yeah. I know what you're talking Yeah. Your <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. Well, let's talk about Brock. Because Kyle got asked about Brock today because Brock threw uh, a couple more interceptions. And uh, let me see here. I I had him for three turnover worthy plays in 21 throws today. Um, I'm going to give you one stat in the last four practices that I've graded. Brock has 16% negative throw grade by comparison. Trey's at 19% negative throw grade. And Sam is at 7% negative throw grade. Um, Brock has thrown the ball to people. Yesterday, he got undercut on a ball by uh, Fred Warner, kind of baited him and picked him off. And he's put the ball in harm's way. And somebody asked me about – I got a DM today from a listener uh, on Twitter who said – I've been listening to you guys for – this is – the guy's name is Lance – and um, he said, I haven't heard any ruckus from you and John on these practice interceptions. Would love to hear more. I'll tell you what I said to him, which is this. Long before Brock started practicing as the 2023 starter in this offseason, I've been really consistent about what I've said about Brock. He has earned, and you, a lot of people have said this, but he's earned the, the right to be the starter. Here's what I've said. But I do question whether he can be as efficient as he was last year. I don't think that's some crazy take. I think a lot of people have said that. Can he continue to throw touchdowns and protect the football at the rate that he did last year? Even if it's not quite that level, it's okay. Because that level was, if he did what he did last year, 13 touchdowns, three picks over the course of his time as a starter, if he did that for 17 weeks, he'd be an MVP candidate. I'm not expecting that. So it's going to come, it's going to normalize a little bit. And I still feel that way. I think he's got some Brett Favre, want to be a gunslinger in him. But the problem with him, like most guys, he doesn't have Brett's arm. And so because of that, I think he puts the ball in harm's way sometimes. And that is something I'm watching. Full stop, period. Before I started watching practice, that has nothing to do with practice stats. So I've reached the same conclusion as some people who watch a bunch of practice, but it has nothing to do with him throwing 10 picks in practice. It's just a legitimate thing that he's going to
2: have to figure out. Shanahan told Albert Breer that he'd have to melt. Like, not melt down, but literally melt away, right? To not be his starting quarterback. Did you see that quote? Yeah. N- not that I needed to read that. He's a starting quarterback. So there is nothing that he could do in practice on a daily basis that I give a shit about. And maybe I cared a little more previously, but after that game, I realized, like, what are we talking about? Now, here's the difference. Let me, let me you know... Add this to if he were to do that in games, he is not getting treated like some established starting quarterback. Within a couple games, throwing a bunch of picks, losing them games, go to the bullpen. Do not hesitate to do that. Sam Darnold, you're in. Let's rip. Let's see what you got. But what Brock Purdy, all these picks in practice, is irrelevant to me. Now, if he's doing them in the games, we got a problem. But if he keeps winning games and he throws some picks in, in the games, but he's throwing a bunch of touchdowns, that's all that matters to me. Because what he does in practice to the coach is irrelevant in the sense of he's going to start week one against the Steelers. That's a fact, right? Health. Yeah, and if he done, throws three picks week one, he's probably
1: still going to start. Week, he's going to start week two, right? That's for sure. But but, but then
2: we can start having the conversation like how sure. short is yep. this leash? That, that's ultimately my point. But like, for example, like Grant every day talks about it doesn't matter. It does not matter until it actually matters in the games, right? Because forever it was like, oh, Trey's really improved the throwing motion, all this stuff, and then he doesn't see shit in the games. It's like, we're, we're talking about a third-string quarterback. Purdy, maybe he ends up being a backup over a period of time, right? That's very on the table, right, how these teams uh, adjust to him. I'm sure the Steelers have gone through a fine tooth comb of positives and negatives over that whatever month stretch, right? Month and a half. I guess it was December. Yeah, he played through the end of January, whatever. There's eight games, right? The game he came in against Miami all the way through the time he was sacked against the Eagles, right? They have broken down all offseason, and they think they probably have a couple wrinkles, like, I don't know if he sees this, and they're going to throw it at him and how he reacts. And then the next game, I don't even know who they play week two, Arizona, and then the Giants or whatever. I have to look at the schedule, but it's... Uh, Rams, then Giants, and Cardinals. This is a... And this Cowboys. Is not... With Pedro uh, Martinez, Gold. Roger Clem... Robbie Goldstein with the Cowboys? Not yet, but... <laughs> uh, the, the Pedro Martinez, Madison Bumgarner is prime. Th- those guys get a longer leash than some random... I mean, hell, pitchers don't get a long leash now. In the baseball we grew up in, so guys, guys longer leashes. Yeah, those, those guys get longer <laughs> leashes. This guy's leash... Like, there is no leash on the top 10 quarterbacks, right? There's no leash on Allen. There's no leash on Lawrence. Those guys could have a month stretch where they throw 100 fucking picks. No one cares, right? Not that no one cares if you're losing, it's a big deal, but they're not going anywhere. Purdy does not have that leeway. So no. I think we can talk about it like that, and we can talk about any throw he throws in practice. Like, I just, I don't personally care, right? I don't, because I don't think it impacts anything. He threw picks in college. He threw a ton of picks. That was a knock on him coming out of college. Turn, turn the ball over. And then last year, we could argue that he threw throw some turnover to get away with some, for sure. Did he also make a shitload of plays that Jimmy Garoppolo, who proved to be a very solid starting quarterback when he was with the Niners, could not do? Yes. Does Sam Darnold have more upside than Purdy? Could be argued. I'm intrigued. I'm I, very if you told intrigued. Me, I, it, would I rather see Sam Darnold the week one to see what we got than Purdy? You could let me sleep on that one. But Well, you
1: and I haven't talked about this the last two days, but... I was texting with our buddy John Dickinson this morning because he said he saw what I said uh, Monday, which was everything I told you earlier about Sam. And he's like, I don't think that's not what Kyle's thinking. And I said, I agree. That's not what Kyle. I don't know if that's what Kyle is thinking. That's what I'm thinking. I am more intrigued with Sam Darnold than I was a month ago. And what I've said this for two weeks. Welcome to, you now. to the club. I think it's it's it's. 50-50 that's, that tra- that Brock Purdy starts 17 games this year. And I'm not I'm not giving you like a, oh, because of injury. I'm just saying I, it's a possibility that he doesn't play that well and then Sam gets an opportunity. That's a real chance. But it's not going to be because when they get to week one, Kyle is going to have it in the back of his head that Brock threw too many interceptions in practice. He's going to enter week one. He's going to roll into Heinz Field and start against the Pittsburgh Steelers. If his slate's not clean, it's only because he helped lead them to the playoffs last year. So he's going to have only positive equity when we get to week one of the football season. That's, that's where Brock is with the 49ers. He's going to have only positive equity, right? Kyle Juszczyk and Trent, Trent Williams are going to be like, bro,
3: remember
1: Curtis Robinson got him back on August 16th? If he throws three touchdowns and no picks against the Steelers, that's all a distant memory. His equity Honestly, is based in the games that he played last year.
3: Honestly, but, again, he could talk- but I'll say
1: this too, John, Like, because I've watched all these practices. I'm very aware of the fact that he's turning the ball over in practice. And one of the reasons is, initially I thought that they weren't all serious throws. That it's like, hey, this is practice. This is a guy coming back from an injury. He is kind of testing his limits. And I do think that's part of what's happening with Brock. Kyle even kind of said that today. Like you're kind of just figuring out what you can get away with and what you can't. When you think about how much like 11 on 11 practice against Fred Warner has Brock Purdy really had against Mooney Ward, has he really had in his life? Not a lot. Right. So these are all kind of unique experiences still for him, but Kyle, oh, he, been he, really... he,
2: he practiced against
1: him as the uh, scout team guy. Oh, that's true. But Kyle's been very clear about this on multiple occasions. He's been asked like, He does not view practice execution differently than game execution. He wants you to make the throws in practice that you would make in a game. Um, So, you know, that's just it's I don't know. Is he getting fooled a couple of times? Is he getting baited? Is he trying to make a throw that he thinks he can make that he can't? Or is he, uh, you know, just trying to figure out what can I get away with and what can I not get away with? This is the time to do it. Because if I throw three picks today or none, nothing changes. Tomorrow I'm the starting quarterback again, right? Which is a different environment than Trey is in, right?
2: Well, let me give you a positive. And I think stat. Trey played that way against the Raiders. Let me give you a positive stat if I'm defending Brock Purdy. The 49ers in 2022 led the league in interceptions, they had 20 thrown. Or well, picked off by oh,
1: intercepted. Okay,
2: yeah, I'm saying they, they had 20 interceptions as a, as a defense. Well, they were tied with the Pittsburgh Steelers, who had 20 as well. So it's clear the 49ers defense is fucking awesome, even without Nick around. Right, they've proven that they could have if if the linebackers are there, like Greenlaw's back. Right was he Was he practicing? Greenlaw practiced today. Well, I'm just saying is he, he's not back from the hamstring. Cause I saw something but regardless they, they could have, cause Burks hurt his knee, but if Fred's out yeah, there, it's a fun- so week one. Yeah. yeah so but, but my point is they could have the backup group of D lineman in, and it's still, the defense can still be a top defense for, you know, individual series. Right. So that's who he's playing every practice. I mean, it's, this is relative to the history of the league. A little different, right? It's sports a little different in 2023, but relative to the league right now, it's top notch. Now, I would say the Steelers, like the 49ers, have a chance in 2023 to be the best defense in the league. That's who he's gonna face right away. Just an elite unit. Right? I, I think the Steelers are gonna be fucking awesome on defense. They have been consistently from over Domin's tenure. They were last year. They've been the last couple of years, even as their offense has let them down. So it's gonna be difficult. But here's what I two things can be true. Purdy, and I'd even lump Darnold in, Can you win a Super Bowl with one of those two guys, no one knows. And to me, could easily be the downfall of the reason that they don't get over the hump because they're basically facing Jalen Hurts, Mahomes, Burrow, Allen. I can't, I, I say Herbert because he is worthy, but his his coach probably isn't. But like that group, and even Dak, I mean, the 49ers would take Dak, right? I mean, he's a good player, just overpaid, whatever. Those two guys, can they be starting quarterbacks consistently all season long and win the Super Bowl, win playoff games, yet to be determined, especially when everyone knows, not that you're just like inserted late in the season. But are those two guys in a different universe than the other guy? Yes. That's like, to me, two things can be true. And that's a huge part of the argument, right, is like, because I get a lot of DMs. Are are you confident the 49ers are going to be as good as everyone talks? And I'm like, well, the major question is the quarterback, but it's really the two quarterbacks. And obviously, right now, Purdy in Kyle's mind is the lock, unless he melts, like literally disappears, starter. But I think Darnold is very intriguing to Kyle, as you do. I think he's lurking. That's the word I use. And and then I think there's this Lance in his own little world, you know, that only like the Booger Eaters are arguing over at this point in time. Kyle's not holding out hope. That's, as I put
1: it, I'll put it this way Darnold is lurking. That's the word I used. Trey
2: is not lurking. Right. Yeah. Trace time, I believe, after that game, even if it goes a little bit better in these next couple games, it is could become a new end. Now, I don't agree with Silver. They would cut him, though it wouldn't be the craziest thing ever. I do believe that they would do the eat the money and, and trade for... Yeah, they, because they, you they, can
1: save face. On, not, well, you don't save face, but you can at least argue, hey, we traded, it's a financial savings on our third quarterback that's a pretty logical thing to do if you can save money on your third quarterback.
2: There's no saving face because anyone, every fan, everyone that talks about football, everyone would be saying this is the worst trade in NFL history. Right? Not not the trade to get him out. I'm saying the one the 49ers trade to acquire a guy. Right? Yeah. I mean, he he played like no games for you.
1: That's the <laughs> no crazy games part. And, and then you admitted As you don't any, think he any good. quarterback top five like quote unquote bust played less games for their team if he doesn't play another game for them?
2: Can't be, because
1: Zach Wilson... I mean, Rosen started a whole year. Zach Wilson started a whole year. How many games did Jamarcus
2: play? I mean, a a lot more than Trey. Because the one... You know how I threw out the, the two guys that have never made it to year three that were drafted that high, that are healthy, that aren't starting on the same team that drafted them? Josh Dubow was listening and sent me the tweet. I must've missed it. He's like, uh, I I responded to your thing. And it was 50 quarterbacks were drafted in the top three to start the, the draft era starting in 1967. So from 1967 through now, only ones not to start the season opener in the third season, still on that same team, excluding injuries, like right, no broken foot or whatever is Steve Spurrier, 49ers. <laughs> Mike Phipps, never heard of him. Jack Thompson, never heard of him. Oh, yes. Coug, Washington State guy. Shuler, he's Shuler, Washington, and Achilles Smith with uh, wow, the Bengals. So you're talking a group of one, two, three, five guys. And Zach Wilson and Trey Lance, it looks sure like... <laughs> You know, unless Aaron Rodgers were to get injured, are going to join that list. So that list is going to grow by forty percent here in three weeks. Think about that. That's incredible.
1: Uh, Lombard, David Lombardi, uh, John tracks. You know, he keeps camp stats like a lot of guys do, but he actually uh, just put out the numbers. Brock's interception rate in camp this year is lower than it was last year. He was six percent interceptions in camp. But then, when the season started, he was only two percent. This year, he's five percent interceptions in camp. So, there you go. Well, I think what's cr- what's craziest about throwing Samoan, that. yeah, that was Jack Thompson's nickname. He was on the cover of Sports <clears throat> Illustrated, I think.
2: What are maybe we that was like
1: eighties? A- you think? Uh no, I th- older.
2: Okay. Yeah. Well, think about the last name on that list, right? Schuler and and Achilles Smith. I mean, we're talking. 20 plus years now right this isn't this isn't something that in the modern well, I, well sure era, it would have been like
1: 95 money. I think right Achille was like 98 probably 99
2: uh yeah Achilles Smith am I saying his name right Achilles. you are
1: yeah Achilles Smith
2: he was because there was like five quarterback he was, there was a big quarterback class that year yeah he was drafted in 99 so yeah that I think I think his class was uh t- was Tim Couch that class and Donovan. I, I think the draft was Tim Couch, Donovan McNabb, Akili Smith. Yeah. Who do you think who do you think feels good about their pick? That draft actually was Tim Couch, Donovan, Smith. Colts got Edger and James, pick four. Okay. Torrey Holt, pick six. Champ wow. Bailey, pick seven. I mean. I wonder if Andy would have taken never asked him this. Taken, if he had the number one pick, would he have taken Tim Couch over Donovan, or were they just sold on Donovan? Tim
1: Couch was like the original Air Raid guy. I wonder if he, he would was have the like Air Raid Tim quarterback Couch. at Kentucky.
2: I've heard some people say that actually, of all the guys, like some of these Browns players over the years, right, the Brady Quins and stuff, that if Tim could have stayed healthy, I think he had an injury, and the right spot could have been better than people think. Really, I feel like I've heard that. Don't know for sure. Could be wrong. Donovan was Donovan is your classic. I was going to compare him to Trey, but I mean, guy went to Syracuse, played on their basketball team. It had, they have nothing in common. Donovan was, I I remember my first year in the NFL and Deuce, it was his first year coaching Deuce Staley. Every once in a while, he was, you know, he was. He wasn't that far removed from playing, you know. It might have been like six, seven years. It was still kind of if you got him in the in a meeting room by himself at night, like he would throw on some like, "Hey, check out this '01 Eagles team," and you would Donovan. I swear to God, I don't think he gets enough credit for how fast the ball was coming out of his hand. Like we just talk about quarterback. I, I think he was throwing 150 miles an hour, and he was just such a freak athlete. He was big. This is where I think, and I feel like I keep talking about Trey, but. We just have this evidence now of these guys of, like... I bet early on... Listen, Donovan was never a very accurate quarterback, but his athleticism immediately was like, Jesus Christ. Of course, the guy fucking played basketball. Like Tony Gonzalez. Like, shocking he's a great athlete. He's playing on a team making the NCAA tournament Unlike like
1: Mike Vick or one of the other guys. Physically, he was so hard to... Ta- I mean, Mike Vick was hard to tackle for a different reason, but McNabb
2: was massive. Yeah, but Julius Peppers... But these basketball players, I, I guess in my mind... That's just what I always thought. Like I, I know for a fact that's not the case, but I, I just thought they were kind of getting some of that. And I do think it speaks to if he was that type athlete, no way. I mean, zero chance he doesn't end up power five or division one, right? They just how often do those type athletes ever get through the cracks? Yeah, I. Who who are big size and in a bigger city, right? Yeah. It's one thing if you are every once in a while some of these like Dakotas what Idaho, I think, was for a moment, maybe when we were younger. You hear some of these stories from the guy, like, how this guy ended up at Washington State where well, he played in this fucking city that no coach from Oregon, USC, or Texas would ever drive through? And, you know, one of our assistant coaches had coached this guy in high school and he got a phone call. It's just one of those. But if you play in a big, bigger state or a bigger city like he did, you just eventually – I saw it when I worked at Fresno State. It was – There were no, it was very, very rare to get a quote-unquote diamond. I would say like 15 years ago. Josh Allen was kind of one, right? Kind of, but a lot of it, he still went to Wyoming. Yeah. I mean, this went to Wyoming. They they were in the Mountain West. Tim Couch,
1: I I couldn't tell you one Tim Couch play. I feel like I want to watch some Tim Couch tape. Because look at this, John. He was the NFL Rookie of the Month. He was the AFC Offensive Player of the Week. Look how many games... He started 50... Tim Couch started more games than Sam Darnold has. Look at some of these years. His third year in the league, he started 16 games, threw for 3,000 yards, had 17 touchdowns and 21 interceptions. Uh, He ran for 267 yards as an NFL rookie. Uh, He got like three full years as a starter and was starting games in year five. And in the end... Now, 64 touchdowns and 67 picks is horrible, but it's like he wasn't throwing touchdowns. He clearly was making, like, I just look at these numbers, and I go, he he had to make some good throws. 2001, his third
2: year in the league, he threw more passes than anybody in the NFL. Here's what I'm reading, because I'm looking, was there a devastating injury? How did he not get it? He was released by the Browns in 04. He signed as a free agent to, be, to compete to be Favre's backup with the Packers. Couch went on to have a disappointing training camp and was booed off the field in Lambeau crowd during limited preseason appearances. Couch struggled with a rotator cuff injury that would eventually require surgery and sidelined him the entire year. He was cut by the Packers. Couch filed a grievance with the Players Union <laughs> against the Packers because uh, they tried to go cheap. He auditioned for the Bears. His career was just over. I don't think the equivalent of Couch in 2023, he doesn't get some more shots. Yeah, I mean, he's
1: still sixth on the all-time passing list in the SEC. Behind Burrow, Bryce Young, Will Rogers, Mac Jones, Kyle Trask. Then it's Couch, Stetson Bennett, Johnny Manziel, Chad Kelly, blah, blah, blah.
2: Hmm. That was the Leech uh Hal Mummy. That was Hal Mummy's team, yeah, but Leech was there. Wasn't it that famous picture of Leech right next to Hal Mummy in the Kentucky? Remember yeah. that the, yeah, the picture yeah, yeah. that always kinda just Hal and Leech? It's just that that's my I think my favorite Leech pick. Of just him on the Kentucky sideline next to Hal Mummy when he's probably probably our age, maybe even a little younger. What would you say? Mid thirties back then, like late nineties? How old was he when he just passed away? Sixty? You talking
1: about this picture? For those of you who are watching,
2: yeah, that's that's just that's when I think Mike Leach, I just think that's a little this index was the time card. That, the head coach wearing no headset. I I think this time vaulted his career. Right yeah. as a coach, you know, people say obviously you have a guy that whose numbers held that long. And well, when he got he the Oklahoma. The I think Mummy got him
1: the Oklahoma C job after that, right?
2: So then he goes with Stoops, to a rocket ship, and then he's the yep. Texas Tech coach within what? I think 24 a year or two. months. Yeah, I yeah. think
1: it was very fast.
2: But I'm saying, does Bob Stoops, if he's not there at not that Mike, time, yeah, is, is Mike Leach Mike Leach? Like that moment catapulted him to Stoops and Texas tech-, yeah, tech. You would think somebody would have given him another job, right? With this offense, it was revolutionary. But I think part of it was that it was Mummy's offense, right? Yeah, it was Mummy's offense. I mean, guy, this but guy he told was
1: Bob, like, you got to hire this guy
2: guy. He was at Valdosta state before couch and mummy.
1: Yeah. And so then it he might went be mummy that kind of really,
2: yeah, that's what I'm saying. Kentucky one year with Bob. And then he's just becomes a legendary head coach, <laughs> but it, sometimes, right. Cause Kentucky at the time, it just shows you as a coach, if you're just at the right time with either the right coach or the right quarterback or the combination of them both, it's like this. Think about Donovan and Andy to like half the league, what that did. Or Belichick and Brady. It was really two guys that vaulted a bunch of careers, front office and coaches. You didn't want to be with like the random teams with no quarterbacks. Fuck you. You're making a lot of calls after the season, trying to move.
1: James on the super chat gave us two bucks to say they missed on Lance's running ability. They did. They did. That was what was eye opening to me. Like well, my headphones are giving out. All Keep right. talking. uh, Miguel, five bucks. Thank you, Miguel, on the super chat. Bottom line: Kyle can't scout a quarterback to save his life, and don't be a Larry Kruger and say, "Well, he picked Purdy, but he—I mean, he did pick Purdy." So I got no problem with somebody saying he picked Purdy. Um, but you get less credit for the guy you draft in the seventh round than the guy you draft in the first round. Because in the first round, we know you, in theory, should have more conviction about that pick. So, But he did pick Purdy. Like, if Purdy turns out to be his quarterback, hell, he picked the guy who helped save his season last year. So he gets credit for that. My point, John, was just, since you got headphones plugged back in, is like, he did pick Purdy, so you're allowed to say he picked Purdy. But you don't get as much credit for the guy you draft in the seventh round as you do discredit for missing on the guy in the first round, I don't think, right?
2: Not that any of that
1: matters, but...
2: Well, why do the Shanahan's get so much credit on Cousins, right? Because the story went, they didn't really want RG3, but the owner forced it on them. And then they're like, well, we're going to have a backup plan. But when you swing really high and that guy misses, most of the time you don't have a backup plan. Right, you typically look at the Jets. They swung and they missed, and what did they have to do? They had to give a one, a two, like they had to trade for Rogers, and they were pretty lucky that he was even like. Yeah, in that wasn't situation. a plan necessarily. No, it just kind of fell in their lap, right? The, the think of all the the quarterbacks the Broncos were missing on for years, and then they just they swung and missed on Rogers, and they got a little lucky that the Seattle was just willing to give them. and And remember, part of the story came out within the over the summer for sure was that he refused because he had the no trade he did the refuse to go to the Eagles Russell like the Eagles were willing to trade for him think of that like, think of what that did you get a lot of and this is what makes sports fun is it's the ultimate reality of if every first round pick always hit, it'd be a lot more boring, right? You just know, oh, they pick him too. He's automatically good. That's not the way it works. It's what yeah. makes the sports so fun. And then guys, like, I, I, have, I have a lot of respect. And sometimes, like, I really try to do this. It's not the player's fault that you're drafted fourth. You just should never have been drafted fourth. You should have been drafted 60th, right? Like, clearly the 49ers, Cleveland Farrell is, I mean, this guy was a team captain on Clemson he just was not a fourth overall pick. Well, he's so exactly like, who the Niners draft in the fourth round. Yeah. And no, honestly, even Fifth like round. if he's taken where Drake Jackson's taken or something, like it just, that's fine. Same with Solomon Thomas. It's just some of these guys, like for every Jamar chase and Panay Sewell and guys are like, God damn, you could have drafted him higher. There are a lot of guys that like, if you just drafted this guy a little later, it would not feel as cra- The pressure wouldn't be the same. Like, Think about Aaron Banks, a good example. has got the year to like be the backup, not do shit, pretty raw, then he becomes a star. It's just you ease your way in if you're not a first-round pick. That first-round label is, is unlike anything, and when you're drafted, I'd say top 10, top 5, that's something that you just never shake. It just follows you. There's There's got to be a confidence that comes with
1: knowing, and this is what you know when you're a fifth-round pick or undrafted. The only reason you're on the field because you earned it. And I think that has to make – I would imagine that makes you play a certain way. Like you feel a certain way, right? If you were on, like Ronnie Bell. Like Ronnie Bell gets drafted. I know he it, it, it would mean he's a different person. But if he's a second-round pick, there's a different amount of pressure. It's a different okay, kind yeah. of pressure that's on – I honestly use a great example. There's a different kind of pressure on Danny Gray than there is on Ronnie Bell. They both have pressure. They both have to make plays. They both have to take advantage of – They're rare opportunities because there's other good players around them. But when you are a second-round pick, you know part of the reps you're getting are because you're a second-round pick. When you're a seventh-round pick, the only reps you get are the ones you earn. And you know it.
2: Well, think about once you become an established player and you're not like in a high-end player, like Fred Warner, third-round pick. There are a ton of third-round picks every single year that within a couple years are just washed out of the NFL, practice squad, just never going to be starters. He gets drafted in mid-round. He's got to be thinking, like, I'm better than half the guys that draft ahead of me. Earn my shit. Then I dominate. Then I get paid. I bet his evaluation on players is a little bit different. Because there's, like, this double whammy of, like, I'm an elite anywhere I go. Right? All pro-level player. Pro-bowl-level guy. One of the best players on one of the best teams. But there's also one of this of, like, I've had to earn my shit. I didn't make big money in those first couple years. I was on the shitty contract not saying that you'd rather just be Bosa, elite from the, right. know, and just keep being, but I'm just saying like, there's a different, and you could say him and Greenlaw both have a unique perspective, Dre Farther, because he was a later round pick, of just, there's a level of uncertainty, right? Like there's a level of certainty if you're just drafted in the top five financially. Like I, I think sometimes the media in general, when they talk about contracts, like generational wealth, Trey's contract is generational wealth. His signing bonus, generational wealth. $30 million, generational wealth. You don't need to make $100 million generational wealth. Do you agree with that? Like, Trey's rookie contract, generational wealth. His Uh, kids will not have to worry about money. Trey Trey took home how much money? Well, in four years, $35 million. He takes home after tax. I mean, I...
1: Yeah. Do, do you think um, – is it generational wealth if you could piss it away in four years? I'm not saying he's doing this. But, but you I'm can piss saying. any amount of money. No, I'm that's, not I mean, that's, that's my question. You can piss any amount of money away.
2: So it was $100 million? I could piss $100 million away.
1: Well, you know, I understand. I I get it. I'm just there, – there was a line somewhere where you could reasonably piss a certain amount of money away. And then there's like trust fund level, a whole other level of wealth. I guess you can have any kind of trust fund. That's not a good, good way of putting it. But um, I'm just thinking is th- –
2: so he, he takes home like twenty or eighteen million dollars, right? Yeah, plus I mean he made some money, I'm sure, off the feet. Like he's let's yeah. just pick twenty five million dollars. And has. and
1: just to be clear, generational wealth means your kids could choose not to work if you just give them money for their entire lives.
2: Which is personal pet peeve. Why do we want loser kids doing nothing? Agreed. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, how do you get? You need socialites. But that, but that's what I'm saying. Like the sports media really celebrates that. Like, why do we want general? I don't again, think. The sports media is not celebrating your kids.
1: Won't work. They're celebrating. You know, they could have opportunities that come to you if money can't help you get opportunities. I think. I don't think they're saying congratulations. All Trey Lance's kids will lay by the pool for eighty years.
2: No, and he. Well, no one's saying he's having. Mean, I don't mean I'm him. I just mean NBA contract. No one's saying like, all of Garrett-
1: Well, so no one has to do dick. Aaron Judge's kids can just be socialized. I don't think that's what
2: people are celebrating. But anyway, well, did you see Lauren and Jeff Bezos gave a hundred million dollars to Hawaii? Oh, cool! Yeah, she Instagrammed it. Just me and me and Jeff gave a hundred.
1: <laughs> oh, no, I did. No, I got you.
2: I did not. No, I did not catch that. So uh, that's an awesome gesture by by those two. It, it, it is. Um, what were we talking Hawaii. about? Feel bad. Um, generational law anyway i'm just saying he's got a lot of money yeah so if, if life sucks right in terms of football life and it does not go well which you would argue it's not going well and there's you have
1: to find a new career when you're 26 though if that's what happens because you know like tim couch
2: sucks a lot less though when you got a lot of money yes financially and, and he was set because you know they
1: overdrafted him uh two bucks to ask Trey equals 10 million. Could we get known impact for that? Um, well, you don't, you know, if you, if you trade them, you get like, you save like 5 million. Right.
2: I think if they are going to trade Trey Lance, they're going to have to, you know, take on some of that split the difference at some, I don't know, 50, 50, 60, 40, 37. I don't know exactly. I do not think they could trade him for any pick at nine and ten million dollars, you know, the remaining two. Yeah, because there's money
1: next year that you're gonna take on. That's why you wonder who is who's
2: taking on ten million dollars next year. That's why I think could you just get two years like seven million dollars. So the Niners eat you could argue to get like a fifth round pick, Niners might be the equal yeah. I don't know. Five million dollars what was the
1: controversy with the Osweiler trade? Wasn't there some controversy with that?
2: I forget exactly how it went. It wasn't exactly this. It wasn't kosher though, right? People are like, ah. I forget because the 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 Broncos just did it when they traded Von Miller to the Rams, yeah. they ate ninety percent of his contract. I forget exactly the uh, logistics of Osweiler trade.
1: Uh John, what 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 day do you wake up and Nick Bosa's not in Santa Clara that you signed the that you uh, sound the uh, the alarm? You think next Monday? Next Tuesday? They play on Saturday, which means they'll practice on Monday of next week. They'll practice Tuesday. They'll practice Wednesday. They'll have Thursday off and they'll play the Chargers on Friday. And then that's it for the preseason.
2: Yeah, I think I, I think the clock's ticking pretty loudly right now. Like it's what are we doing here? You know, let's let's get a deal done. You got an extra pay, five million. Let's let's fucking move this train on. Now, this speaks to their organization. They are very quiet about it. There, there. Kruger's no- theory
1: is they don't want him to play in games or practice. Nobody wants him to practice. I talked to Larry about that the other day.
2: But why would he have to practice now? He doesn't have to.
1: I put the. I said the twenty. I th- I said like next
2: Thursday. I think the twenty. When does the media? 20th. When does the media get locked out of practice? Monday
1: see, somebody told, I was talking to Lombardi today, there was some discussion about whether or not, uh, somebody told me today, they, it might have been David, he thinks you get to go to practice up until the first week that leads up to the Steeler game. So like the game practice you can't go to anymore. I thought training camp cuts off. Yeah, somebody else told me they thought it was next week is the last week of open practice. But, Which
2: feels like pretty long. I remember usually cutting off mid, like after the second preseason game. I think it Maybe probably the, has
1: got... They've re, The NFL's realized the more they open things up, the more news they get.
2: I do respect this hasn't gotten ugly publicly. right? There hasn't been... We feel we're being... Uh, you know, uh, not given the proper respect for what we've done. It's been very quiet. There hasn't been their $20 million... A lot of times... These get public very fast. Now, sometimes, like, Jerry just talks about it. <laughs> Fuck this guy. We're not paying him. And he ultimately gave him, like, a little raise. You know, a lot of them get very public. This has not gotten public at all. Like, there is no discourse about, like, why can't they bridge the $7 million? Right. There's, there's nothing. Nothing. <laughs> nothing. Has anything – there hasn't been do, anything do you, on – Do you think – clearly the Niners operate like that, and they told him, listen, this is going to be the biggest deal in the history of the franchise – Right for a guarantee standpoint for sure. If we'll work with you, but this is not—we're not getting into public spats over a guy we love. Like this is not what we're in the business to do.
1: They're definitely not. I, my question for you is going to be: It's different, I guess, because Burrow was a practice, but it's the same. He has the same agent as Joe. Uh, it doesn't seem like there's any real public discussion about that contract at this point, right? I haven't heard any. I haven't seen like a story like the agent says when it comes to that
2: maybe there's some inevitability when you just you have a good working relationship is a part of it too and this is where i think Kyle and those guys felt slighted by the debo situation like how are you doing this to us after this re- our relationship with you like what the fuck is going on here why are you why are you acting like this publicly and he's gone the other way since right love these guys yeah. love them love my teammates <laughs> Kyle yeah. here's i'm your guy cuz i think you realize that's you don't need to handle it when clearly is Nick Bosa their favorite player between him and Trent. I mean, they don't even hide, like, publicly the way they discuss him to try to save a penny or, you know, they're not even fucking with any of that.
1: That's right. They say he's one of the greatest players we've ever seen. And, th- yeah, they don't downplay it. So they are the talking agent about how much money he was
2: going to make a year ago.
1: Uh, fish and chips on the uh, chat says, In the past, this would have been called holding out. <laughs> <laughs> what do they call it? Uh,
2: negotiating, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> it's true though. it's absolutely true. Well, like the Chris Jones one is a little more complicated because it's his third contract. so I, I mean I would imagine they've just had a conversation like, if we wanted to, <laughs> Andy's like, "Freach, I, I don't want you to do this too aggressively, but just place a couple calls just see what the market is, right? I, we're not going to trade them, but just just gauge. Like the night of very Tyreek. I mean you, wouldn't you say you'd be naive to think that they haven't just
1: gauged the value? I think that would be naive. DR on the stream says maybe it's because of Chris Jones. Those two are going to set the market and the Bosa's want to wait for Chris Jones's number. The, the difference though is Chris Jones isn't about to become the highest paid non-quarterback in the history of the league.
2: No, like to me, he gets like a three-year, $30 million a year, you know, 80 guarantee something like, cause it's a contract extension. I guess Boses is too, but D tackles paid a little bit differently than DNs in theory. I guess maybe not now. I mean, Aaron Donald makes a lot. So yeah, maybe the, the, you wouldn't be naive to think the 49ers have not gauged the interest, right? They know if they ever wanted to trade him right now, he's worth two ones, two twos and Three players.
1: <laughs> I don't even think they would have to call around. Like, if you're the Chiefs and you said, like, maybe they did because maybe they're just building a backup plan. For the Niners, it's just like it was with Debo, but even more so with Nick. They can just go to the chart. Prague can tell them what he's worth. They don't have to call anybody. They know if they wanted to trade Nick Bosa, they'd get every bit and more of whatever they think he's worth, right? Mm-hmm. Like I don't, you don't need to call Howie Roseman to find out he's worth whatever he's worth. You just know. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Jed Fish's old roommate.
2: Well, Chris Jones, and part of it, he has less value than Nick because he's older, third contract, but he's still at minimum a one and two twos. I mean, he's worth a lot. Wait, Chris Jones a one and two twos? Yeah. To me, Chris would be worth less than Nick. Yeah, Nick's more baggage. One and two two twos with Chris. More mileage. Nick's baggage Two ones. Penis fell out of the combine. Two <laughs> That's baggage. He's come He's come a long way since.
1: <laughs> uh, John, I, I, so let's see. I other notes here I had for you real quick. Thursday, yeah, we're a week away from Thursday, college football. Uh, a lot of people were sending me messages saying that JT O'Sullivan in that Trey video used the phrase wide-ass open a lot. And people were saying it to me because, you know, I, I like to pretend. I don't know. Maybe I did. I say it all the time, WAOs. But you worked in the NFL. Do you think JT O'Sullivan stole wide ass open from me? Or is that just a thing football people say and I have conveniently forgotten that I didn't make it up?
2: I think it's a thing like football coaches say to players and they hear it a lot and then it kind of gets regurgitated in the world of like he's wide ass open. You're like, hey, he's not. He's like, he's fucking wide ass open. I so think it's JT f- probably heard that somewhere along the way and he's not stealing it from me. I think football people say it a lot.
1: Yeah. Well, I'm a football guy, so that explains that. Yeah. Uh, anything else you got today?
2: JT gets a lot of views for something that, like, I, I couldn't last more than 15 minutes through. Though I appreciate Hashtag all, all of his work. I-, I just, I wonder what the average watch time on one of his 40 minute videos that's just kind of slow doing the place. Yeah. I mean, maybe you saddle up to the bar and people are talking
1: about, like, you know, uh turn downs and hole shots and uh, the third read.
2: Yeah. All I need is like two plays. I'm good. I'm out of here. <laughs> is it, was it, you know what's funny about it is like Mayoko in real time
1: tweeted those first two sacks were on Trey. Like at the game. He was like, Yeah. He's just watching the real live all 22 immediately. He's watching a lot of football. He knows what he's seeing. Mayoko just tweeted, like, yeah, he missed those two throws. Like, or he didn't make two throws that he should have
2: made. Those sacks were his fault. He was right. He knew it immediately. If Trey Lance is cut, whatever, September, whatever that date is that they do the cuts, does the San Francisco Chronicle do a picture of Mike Silver like this?
1: (laughs) Somebody, a buddy of mine down in Southern California sent me a story yesterday from SF Gate, which is like the Chronicle. And it was somebody basically ripping Silver. But, like, I don't know. I'm not exactly sure who. Like, it wasn't. might
2: have been, an, could it have been an opinion
1: piece? Yeah. I mean, it was definitely an opinion piece, but I, I can't quite, I'm not exactly clear on what their, like, website is versus the actual Chronicle well, When I
2: say opinion, I mean, like, letter to the editor type of
1: No, no, no. It was, like, some, it was, it was not a letter to the editor. Um, but, uh, Yeah, I mean, the 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 guy who used to play in the league said to me, "He's like, I hate silver." I'm like, "You got to admit, you just if you bet against his information, you're going to be wrong more than you're right." So I, you know, I don't know whatever your personal issue is with him or not, but uh, we had a good laugh about that.
2: Was he out there? Was do you see silver today, Roman? Yeah, silver's been out there a ton. Yeah.
1: Uh, Two bucks to ask uh, eight number eighteen ranked O line without Trent. We are thirty concerned. Um. I'm not sure what those rankings are, but I would be concerned about an injury on their offensive line. If they're healthy, they're okay, but football happens, somebody's gonna get hurt, and then it's gonna we're gonna wonder about what's going on with them.
2: McCaffrey done for the uh the practice preseason. Like practice today, got hit today. By who? One of the random uh
1: might have been Ufunga or Fred. It's generally Fred or Ufunga that hit yeah. somebody. I like to hit. Um somebody who who popped
2: some, somebody got popped today. I don't know, but... So there was a fight, Raiders-Rams. Are they joint uh, practicing again? Yeah, Crosby. In L.A.? In L.A. Because I, I think I saw Vinny your his article after the preseason game, all-timer. The headline was, the Raiders have probably already forgot about the score entering the plane to fly to L.A. Someone sent, Dickinson sent me that, like, oh yeah, the Raiders forgot about the score. Give me a fucking break. Mark Davis is fucking high-fiving everyone on that goddamn plane. And then I realized, I mean, they had a pretty quick transition They're Clearly, I would imagine it's Raiders-Rams this week. But Crosby and uh, Akers, I think were like swinging. Akers got tossed by McVeigh because he's like, if you swing in practice, obviously you get thrown out in the games. And, and Crosby just went to the sideline. Two joint Crosby. practices
1: feels like a lot of joint practices to me.
2: It's, it's a be- lot of like well, – pra- Belich- Well, it's the Belichick thing. That's, That's Belichick's, a- Belichick's been doing two joint practices now for like a decade. It feels
1: like a lot. Just, just, just watching, having been at a lot of practices.
2: It's easy live reps. Yeah, I get it. It's, well, because Josh only had to really try in one of these three preseason games so he can mail in these next two preseason oh, games because gotcha. that was uh, the owner mm-hmm. Super Bowl. Yeah, <laughs> and they won the championship. They did, and it's got to be the happiest day for Marks in years. You want to take it? Raiders might not be terrible. I I definitely think they'll be better. Yeah,
1: AFC West is gonna be fast. I mean, the Bron-
2: just- Broncos are gonna be the worst.
1: I think. Um, I don't know, man. I yeah, somebody's to- gonna be the worst. You're right. Someone has to be the worst. But you know, Russell lost 18 pounds. They don't have a kicker. Or their kicker missed two kicks last week. So this is actually a major kicker game on Saturday night at Levi Stadium.
2: The problem I, for the the problem for the Raiders is even obviously they lost games last year and Derek was not good and they lost a ton of close weird games. Derek was still able to get like Devonte's numbers. I, are Devonte and Jimmy going to work? Beside like some slants. Like I just, well, it's going to be a lot of slants, a lot of, <laughs> a lot of slants, but Devonte does work down the
1: field, hospital balls. You know? No problem for Devonte. Although he got hit the other day. Well, but Charverius took him out. People like a foreign person got, got hurt him. on the play. Jimmy's killing him. Uh, all right. Hit that like button. If you're watching the YouTube, subscribe to the channel. We appreciate that. And, um, uh, Frank says, you guys just took the Raider cheese. We love talking about the Raiders. We talk it's about.
2: true. It was a big deal to Mark Davis, especially if he's going to be 80% Niner fans in the building. Yeah. It would have been a big deal to me too if I was him. Listen, he increased the value of the franchise and he just doesn't have many fans show up. So it's a double, it's a double edged sword here. How
1: about this observation, John? I mentioned this yesterday, but I haven't said it to you. Sean Payton would be a top five cap hit on most NFL teams. <laughs> He's making, just a reminder, $18 million to coach the Broncos. Now the Walton's got the money. $18 million to coach the Broncos this year.
2: I think you underestimate, though, like that number sounds crazy, but I bet Belichick makes 20. A- Andy's probably, you know, I- I'm sure he has a kicker the moment. Uh, he might be at 18. You guys have th- gotten I- multiple raises from the same franchise with championships. I mean, you think Kyle and McVeigh are making 10 or are they no, making 15? No.
1: They're making good. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm just saying 18 mil. That's what it costs if you want to hire a legitimate coach. Like,
2: if you want to hire a proven legitimate coach, it costs you $18 million. I wish we talked so much about head coaches. I wish by like week five, because in college, you know, in the NFL, you don't really. Like, in college, it always comes when the team sucks by, you know, mid October. You're like, this offensive coordinator is making 1.2, right? Yeah. If you just halfway through the NFL season, it's like, do you know that that offensive coordinator whose offense is 30th in the NFL right now is making $2.1 million? Like there are a ton, ton of making? coordinator uh, two, yeah. two and a half. Joe
1: Lombardi is the Broncos coordinator. He's probably well, he's,
2: making two. No, but he's making – every coordinator in the league for years have been making seven figures, even if you're not calling the plays. And if you call the plays, obviously you get more. Davis Webb, their quarterback's coach, is like, 18 million, Sean – a rising tide raises all boats. Sounds
1: like no, you're still making eight hundred thousand to be the QB coach.
2: But e- but even the minimum, because you just go, okay, I'm the lowest paid quarterback coach in the league. It's still what five hundred grand. He's like you shit. Have- I made less on the practice squad. Uh,
1: yeah, how much did you make last year? Probably not a ton.
2: Okay, I, I, I've never had to pee worse in my life. Hi everybody. Later. Thanks for hanging. Later. Later. I'll see you. I gotta pee.